Okay, welcome to the Quill and Sword Episode 2. I'm Lieutenant Commander Tyler Stutton on the Clamo staff, and we're so lucky today to be joined by Major Jane Thompson from the Canadian Armed Forces, and we also have Major Eli Beaver from the Clamo staff here with us today. We just wrapped the 22nd iteration of the Domestic Operations Short Course this week, right here in Charlottesville. We had 102 students, and Major Thompson uh, taught at the course. She taught uh, Canadian Dom Ops, so uh, thank you for that, and welcome to the Quill and Sword podcast. What are your impressions of Charlottesville so far, Jane? So it's a a lot warmer down here right now than in Canada, so that is obviously a bonus. Uh, But gorgeous area. I like uh, the campus here. Very nice and historical as well. Awesome. We're so glad you're here. And uh, Eli was the course manager, um, did a great job this week. He's here because of the National Guard nexus. And so, Eli, I'll let you say a few words about your background and uh, how the course went. Yeah, absolutely. We had a, a fabulous slate of instructors, including Jane, teaching us about Canadian law and some, some people from NORTHCOM, Army North, and we learned a ton, and I hope the students got a lot out of it. It's a good way to finish up January here in Charlottesville. I am looking forward to getting feedback from our students on what they liked, what they didn't like, so that we can make this course better for next year. Right on, right on. And Eli, in your career, um, what are some of the Dom Ops missions that you've been involved in? So I was with the 31st Chemical Brigade, and we did uh, C2CRE Bravo, which is the uh, chemical response for the Army. And uh, we did decontamination efforts. Uh, thankfully, never had to do that in real life. It was all exercise. Uh, before that, I was with the 167th Theater Sustainment Command of the Alabama National Guard, which at that time had the NORTHCOM mission and did all of the sustainment and logistics for domestic operations in the United States. Nice. Nice. And Jane, we're really interested in, I know you have extensive experience in Dom Ops in Canada. I actually met Jane uh, when a couple people from TJAGLIX traveled to Kingston, Ontario, and participated in Canada's legal officer qualification course. And Jane was such a fantastic instructor on Dom Ops that we just had to have her down here. So can you share with us a little bit about your career and where you're at now? Yes. So as Tyler said, I am at the Canadian Forces Military Law Centre. So kind of analogous to TJAGLIX down here, uh, but we are much smaller. We are only seven legal officers, of which one is the director. And what our mandate is, is to provide legal education and training materials and services to the members, military members of the CAF, and that's to help them prepare to meet the challenges associated with current and future operations. So one of those courses that we do is the legal officer qualification course, which the delegation um, from TJAGLIX came down to join us for. And you get a few different countries, right? It wasn't just us. You're very good, I feel like, at bringing uh, not only Commonwealth countries, but, uh, but folks like us to the table to train yes. with you. So this past year, in addition to our American colleagues, we also had um, an officer from the UK Navy join us, two officers from the French 
uh, military. We had a member of the International Red Cross, uh, who's based in Canada, as well as a member of the Canadian Red Cross, join us for the course. And in the past, we've had Australians, New Zealanders, um, as well as some Swiss individuals have come and taken the course. The uh, ICRC rep was so taken that she decided to join the CAF. <laughs> it was really funny. It was a great course. And unlike the legal pipeline training in the United States, it includes a week-long field exercise, which is really like the capstone. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, something was a fantastic to participate in and to, and to see. Um, and what are some of the domestic operations you've been involved in in your career, Jane? So I have had the opportunity to deploy as part of the land task force to the response to the BC fires in 2018. Um, so part of my job was to be the on the ground legal support to the land task force commander for some of the issues and questions that were coming up for him. So in that position, it was more of a uh, public service, what we call a public service response. So a humanitarian response, helping out with some of the firefighting, um, not like in the middle of the forest fires, but helping uh, clear some area and things like that. Nice. Uh, and Eli, you know, we talk about, we think storms, we think wildfires, but there's a lot more to DOMOPS, right? I mean, but what else is in that, that DOMOPS realm for us? Yeah, so one of the big issues for NORTHCOM and Army North and Navy North uh, and Air North is the Homeland Defense Mission. And a lot of that is shared with Canada through NORAD and, and through... Um, interoperability with them because for a long time the threat was uh, cruise missiles over the pole which would come through Canada before they got here but nowadays I think that's a lesser threat but they are still a, a big-time allied partner in the Homeland Defense mission part of what we do with DISCA, Defense Support to Civil Authorities, is snowstorms and wildfires, things that Canada is also dealing with. And a lot of these natural disasters are going to be cross-border events. And, and we were talking a little bit earlier today about towns that we have on the border that are sharing the same, the same weather. Yeah, there's as, no wall. cross-border. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, there's, and there's some towns where the, the international border runs down the middle of the street. Right, right. And so, you know, if we have a domestic response in an area like that, we're going to need to be able to talk to each other. We're going to need to be able to communicate to the right people and, and know the rules uh, as we work together to solve these issues. Exactly right. And I think what this week showed to everyone, thanks to Jane, is that we need to be able to do that, but the systems are so vastly different. And so we spent a lot of time in class this week talking about posse comitatus uh, for us in the U.S., which is a significant uh, hamstring on the U.S. military, the, the four DOD branches conducting law enforcement domestically. But you don't have that same restriction in Canada, right? So we don't have an equivalent to the Posse Comitatus Act, but we also don't have a mandate to do law enforcement within Canada. What we can do is assistance to law enforcement agencies. And when we are in a situation for that. There are certain parameters that need to be requested for our Minister of National Defense to sign off on that type of mission. And if we do receive a request from the province for that type of assistance, it's going to be 
very clearly stated what the tasks are that the military is being asked to perform. And we have to ensure that we stay within those tasks. So that's where the legal advisor often comes into play is looking at what is the on the ground um, civilian commander asking the military to do, does it fit within one of those approved tasks? And if not, we have to tell the military commander, they need to tell the civilians they will have to go back up and ask for more defined tasks or additional tasks to what has been authorized by the minister. And that piece does sound similar. It echoes in in our process. And that's where I feel like we just have another layer, and that's our state governments and the use of the National Guard. Can you explain, Eli, how that process works for us with an emergency how it starts at that state level. Yeah, so every incident in a domestic operation is going to be a local incident, uh, it, whether it is a civil disturbance or a natural disaster or, or whatever. Uh, it's going to be something that happens in a place. And, and our laws are set up so that the local government, the state government, has primary responsibility to respond to those issues. Uh, the federal government only gets involved if the locals and the state government are overwhelmed. And so the National Guard is one tool of the state government to make that response. And it's a military response and it has a, a DOD flavor to it. Uh, but in that Title 32 role, it's a part of the state government. And so it is a part of the state response. If that local or state response is overwhelmed, then we call Title X forces, we call the Department of Defense, and we get bigger resources. And most of that runs through FEMA. We have a, a massive bureaucracy that helps us deal with that. But uh, DOD, writ large, only gets involved when the resources have run dry at the local level. Okay, so in the United States, we make a big deal about our state governments, uh, our 10th Amendment, the uh, powers that are reserved for the states. And I know it's not quite the same in Canada with the power of the provincial government. And that's an area we'd like to explore. So if you can tell us a little bit about that, Jane, I think that'd be great. So under our constitution, we have a division of powers between the federal level and the provincial level. And provinces are responsible for a large number of things within their provincial boundaries. So when it comes to if there's, for example, a fire or a flood or a storm within their provincial boundaries, they are responsible for the response to that. If they are overwhelmed and unable to deal with, deal with it through provincial resources, the first place they're going to look to is other provinces, other jurisdictions, including the United States and other countries around the world. And if at that point they are still unable to adequately manage the situation, then they will request federal assistance through our Minister of Public Safety. When that request comes in, the Minister of Public Safety considers, are there other federal government departments and agencies that can lend resources? And they'll also look to whether or not the Canadian military should be included in that response. If it is, then the Minister of Public Safety will go to the Minister of National Defense and ask, can, is this something that the military can devote resources to and assist? And at that point, the Minister of National Defense will determine whether or not 
Um, it's something to be approved under statutes or a National Defense Act or one of the number of orders in council that we have on the record. Got it. And hearing all this, Jane, makes me wonder about how you actually deliver those legal services as the CAF. So can you tell us a little bit about your legal branch in Canada, how you're organized, how you deliver legal support to uh, your armed forces? Of course. So the first thing I think to understand is that the Canadian Armed Forces, we are a unified force comprising land, sea, and air elements. So all of the those elements report to one single chief of the defense staff who then reports to the Minister of National Defense. So when it comes to the legal branch, we have about 205 regular force, so that would be analogous to your active duty personnel down here. Um, and that also includes our four military judges. And we have approximately 40 reserve force personnel. So while I wear the army uniform, we are what we call a purple trade, meaning I could be posted to an air force wing, I could be posted to a naval base, um, and I could deploy with other elements of the military as well. Now, did you choose army or do they choose for you? How does that work? So you do get to choose which uniform you'd like to wear. So I did choose the army uniform. Um, that is because of uh, family. I have family who was in the army prior. Well, we're so glad you joined us this week, Jane. Thank you for everything you did for the great block of instruction, for your participation in the class, and for making the long trip down here. Um, if anyone would like to talk to Jane more, to learn more about where Jane works, CFMLC, or the Canadian Armed Forces, please contact Clamo. We'll put you in touch with Jane and her staff. And I think that's all. Uh, this is your friendly Clamo Coastie signing off, wishing everyone fair winds and following seas. Stay tuned for a remote episode from Spacecom and the Rocky Mountains on the next episode of The Quill and Sword. The views expressed or implied on this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of the United States Army JAG Corps or other organizations with which the participants are associated or by whom they are employed.